Alrighty. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's all good. Turn to the other side and say, everything's going to be all right. Now tell yourself that. Everything is going to be all right. <laughs> I've learnt over my life's journey with its ups and downs that the most important thing you can do when you get hit is to keep praising God because praise silences the enemy. The devil thinks, oh, let's give him a kick here. Let's, you know, poke here. Let's get him discouraged here. And you've got to learn that the most important thing you can do is praise God and count your blessings and say, Lord, I thank you that regardless that you are good, that you are faithful, that you will make a way through and that I will learn from everything and I'll discover more about you from everything I go through. So that's what I'm set to do and I hope that you can stir up and talk to your soul. Sometimes we're just going to tell our soul to sing. Yeah? Sometimes we've just got to tell our soul to sing. And uh, it's good for us. It makes us stronger. You know, you sometimes look at people and say, they've got so much faith. Well, you have so much faith because you've got to walk through things. Yeah? You get, you get metal in the inside of you, not from everything being cruisy. Jesus didn't say, oh, it's going to be cruisy. He said, you will have trials and tribulations, but they won't bring you down. If you hold on to me, he says, I have overcome them. I have overcome them. And he's talking about our personal stuff, our family stuff, our work stuff, our bank accounts, our church stuff. He's saying, you're going to have stuff come at you, but I have overcome them. Hold on to me and do what I say and you're going to get tough. Yeah? Believe me, I may be little, but I'm bigger on the inside. I'm bigger on the inside and that's what I want for all of us. No matter what size we are, we're a big, like Christian down the back, or we're very small like me that we get bigger on the inside, that we get strength on the inside, that we are, know that we are victorious, that we know that we know that we know that who we are and then when we need it, we can pull it out of our pocket. Yeah? Because faith is about growing. It's about developing our faith. You know, you don't get, you just don't, don't, don't suddenly, you may be able to do all sorts that you see, the, you know, the greats doing. You've got to walk the walk and talk the talk and the good and in the challenges, yeah? So, this morning, regardless of our situation, we're going to keep on preaching about finances because you preach when it's good and you preach when you have challenges because the word is true regardless of what your circumstances are. So we're going to kick the devil's butt this morning. We're not going to step back from what God has told us to do, that we're going to preach finances and we're going to preach salvation and we're going to see people's lives changed and saved. Yeah, so that is what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to preach myself happy and I'm going to preach you happy. Amen? All right. So our relationship to money. We're going to have an attitude adjustment this morning about our relationship to money. Because why are we getting up and doing this in these first couple of months of the year? Because that's what God said to do. And he knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. And that we've, I want us that if there's been poverty mentality, if there's been circumstances that have come against us, if there's been things in our background, in our life, which have told us that God is not always faithful, or they've told us, well, you can't expect that God will bless you, that as we do this, as we preach what God says about finances, that anything that is not of his word will drop off, will be washed out of his life. Because I know what it's like to struggle. You know, my father went bankrupt three times. 
So I know what it's like to stand as a kid and the bailiff come through and the bank come through and say, we'll have that, that, that and that, thank you very much. I know what it's like and I've walked the walk but I'm also going to talk the talk. Yeah? And we've got to grow in our faith. I know what it's like to have to depend on God to multiply the food in your pot. And he's done it. And I know what it's like to have plenty. You know, Paul said that as well. I know what it's like to have much and I know what it's like to have not, not a lot. Uh, in all things, God works for good. Yeah? So th- I want to talk about the role of money in our lives. Uh, the worldwide survey was done through Reader's Digest and uh, it asked what was the main area that causes stress in people's lives. And from countries all over the world, guess what the number one thing was? The answer was money issues. Many people stated that money issues controlled their life and controlled their attitudes and controlled their emotions. So many people worry, and the care and worry of money and finances crawls down on the inside of you if you don't watch and affects our physical bodies. It consumes our thought life if we're not careful. How are we going to make it? How are we going to pay this? How are we going to survive? How are we going to pay that debt? And we lay awake considering it. Anybody done that? Yeah. Or if you haven't done that, then you've seen others do that. Yeah? Money is a driver. People are driven to make money. Their intent is to keep money, and they're afraid of losing money. I met one of my relatives recently, and uh, he does not like giving out money. His kids call him a tightwad. He's got money, but he won't give it out. And he's getting towards the end of his life because he speaks it as the end of his life. He's not old enough to die, but, you know. But it's like he doesn't give it out. And he's like, I get these funny emails about, oh, this is actually, and I, you know, just things about money all the time. And it's like, but you have quite a lot of money. Why are you quibbling over such a little amount? But it's because money has driven him. Money's got him, not he's got money. We need to make sure that our attitude towards money is scriptural and biblical because money can drive you. It causes people to make certain decisions and sometimes you can make the wrong ones because it drives people. Money is a driver. So we've got to make sure we have the right relationship with it. There is a right relationship with finances and we need to take a stand and realise that God is our source. Because if you see money as your source... It's going to drive you. God is our source. And he will use circumstances. He doesn't cause them, but he'll use them to get his point across. He is the source, not money. To realize in times of challenge that we are called to thrive and not just survive. That we are called to flourish and walk in the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, that is our right as a Christian. You know, if we find ourselves in a tough spot, we've got to go back to what the word says. It's not God. He is true. He is faithful. But sometimes there's a gap between where we are and what God says. And that's in all of our life, whether it be your relationships, whether it be your health, whether it be your finances, whether it be your future. You often see a gap between what God says is is ours, what our inheritance is as children of God, that we're blessed as we come out. We're blessed at whatever we touch. We're above and not beneath, a winner, not a loser. We have the mind of Christ. We're healed by the stripes of Jesus. But sometimes there's areas in our life where we see God says that, but here is me. And there's a gap. And the reason we get into God's word and the reason we preach it and the reason we encourage one another is because we've got to close the gap. 
We've got to close the gap. You know, Isaac in Genesis 26, Philip spoke about it last week, there was a major economic downturn. In Old Testament, that means famine. That means famine. And Isaac was about to leave Egypt, leave for Egypt and go and go down and try and make his, leave the country that God had called his family to. And God said, no, you're not to go down to Egypt. You're to stay right here and you stay put and you put the blessing to work. And Isaac had grown up with the blessing. He'd seen it demonstrated through Abraham's life, all, all his life, his father's life. So he had it down on the inside of him. The blessing was inside of him. You see, God wants to work the blessing down on the inside of us too. And sometimes we haven't seen what Isaac saw with Abraham, how he knew how to prosper, that he knew how to believe for God, that everything he put his hand to was blessed. Because Abraham had seen, God had spoken to him and shown him the way. And Isaac knew that. So he had it down on the inside of him. We sometimes don't have that down on the inside of us. When we're under pressure, what do we really believe? That God is good, that he's going to take us through? And something we see the gap. But God wants to work on the inside of us. So we don't allow financial pressure to consume us. We have to learn to operate out of the blessing more. We have to. Philip and I do. Our leadership we do. You do. That it doesn't consume you. We've got to operate more out of who God says we are and get a hold of that stronger and stronger. So that gap of what God says and what our bank account says and what our situation says closes. You need to learn to straighten out our thinking and relationship with money and establish a healthy perspective where money is concerned. And if we're honest, often it's not healthy. We need a financial attitude adjustment. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 verse 24. Matthew 6 and verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or in other words, money. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. We need to settle three things today. We need to settle three things. Number one is that we serve God. Choosing who we're going to submit to, who we're going to listen to, and who we're going to obey. We have to settle in ourselves that we serve God, that we don't serve money, that money serves me. And too often, we can serve money. I'm going to talk about that today and how that works. We have to make a decision, and the Lord will help us, that we serve him, we don't serve money, because money will drive you. Money will wake you up at night. Money will talk back at you. It's like a two-headed monster when we try and serve God and money. It's like which one's talking the loudest? It's difficult to serve two masters. You'll hold to one. You'll be devoted to one. You'll give all your time to one. You'll have an allegiance with one. And you will not hold one and you will despise it. You cannot serve two masters. The Greek word for despise is you'll care little for and have no esteem for. So read it like this. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other. He will hold to one, stand by one, be devoted to one, and will not care for and will despise and not give any esteem to the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Which one do we esteem in our lives, if we're really honest? Which one do we hold to? Which one do we love? Which one do we stand by? 
And too often, money and our finances is what's trying to make us serve it. Who do we serve? Because you can't serve both God and money. Some may understand that means that you can't have money and serve God. That's not what that scripture is saying. It's saying put money in its proper place. Have appropriate scriptural, biblical relationship with money. You need to put it in its place because otherwise it'll try to put you in your place. That's why we have to get our attitude right of I serve God. I don't serve money. Money serves me. I don't work for it. It doesn't tell me what to do. It doesn't put pressure on my life. I have been given dominion. And God was in the garden. He gave man seed. And I want to look at this because this will just give you a real wake-up call, what did me, about what God actually says about money, what he says about it, how it's sent to serve us. Genesis 1 verse 28, right at the very beginning. It's at the beginning because God laid a foundation for us of how we understand Genesis 1 and verse 28 and 29. Verse 28 says, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be food. To you it shall be food. I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be seed. At the very beginning, God blessed. Now, the Hebrew word for when you are blessed means empowered to prosper. You are empowered to prosper, to do things in your life, to do things beyond your imagination with your life. You're actually, when God blesses you, he empowers you to prosper. So when God says, then God bless them, that's what he's talking about. God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish and subdue. What does subdue mean? If something gets out of line, you put it back. When your kids get out of line, what do you do? You try to put them back. Yeah? When your body gets out of line with what God says, you command it to get back in line. We've been given dominion. So when something is out of line, God says, subdue it. Get it back into line. But we've got to actually take that and do it. If something is out of whack in your life, don't just go, oh, well, that's just the way it is. Oh, well, I've always had that. Oh, well, my family's all like that. I'm going to have that. No, get it back into line. God said, you're blessed you have dominion, subdue anything that gets out of line. You know, in a family, in a household, especially a size household, if somebody gets out of line, it causes a lot of strife and chaos, believe me. And my children and my husband are not, <laughs> are not quiet. It's like if something gets out of line, our job is, and Philip's job as the head of the home is to bring it back into line. Because otherwise, everything gets out of whack. If something goes wrong in your body, we're not just to lie there and go, oh, well, you know, that can have dominion in my body, even though I can see it's a curse from the word. We've got to tell it to get back into line. We've got to speak to it and tell it to get back into line. And the same is that we subdue and get back into line our finances. Genesis 1.29 says, Then God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be food. In the Hebrew, seed means, and I want you to listen, seed means 
provision. And it shall be then seed to you shall be for eating, for food, for fuel. When God says something there like that, He said, I have given you seed. He's talking about provision. He's talking about, I've given you food, I've given you eating, I've given you fuel, I've given you permission, provision. Seed is designed to work for us. Now, that was back when they bartered and, you know, they didn't have the substance that we call money now, but God, he sees seed, money is our seed, and he says, I've given you seed, money, designated it to work for us, not it telling us what to do. Can you see? Can you see how the world's got it out of whack? It tells us what to do. God designated and designed seed to work for us, not us work for it. Now, that's a really important point. It's right at the smack at the very beginning of God's word, Genesis 1.29. Have a look. That seed is given for provision, for food, for fuel, for eating. What does money do? It's for food, it's for fuel, it's for eating, it's provision for us. And it was given to us, not us given to it. Okay? Seed is designed to work for us. When we put a physical seed in the ground, it's meant to go to work for us. Ask Lynn, she's really good at making, growing lettuces. It worked for you, didn't it? Yes, you, t- you put it in the ground and it worked for her. Seed is supposed to work. All we need to do is keep the ground watered and watch over it. The seed does what it's supposed to do. It produces, it brings provision, it is food, it is fuel, it sustains us because that's what God created seed to do, that he gave it to us, not we were given to it. Seed is what we need. We need to put more emphasis on it, understanding that your seed is important. When we give our offering, when we give our tithes, you're putting that to work for you. We need to put more understanding and emphasis of what your seed is there to work for you, to bring food for eating, fuel, provision. That's what your offering and your seed does. When you give in any way out of your life, in anything you do, it can be your time, it can be your energy, it can you be your talent, but it also is to do with your, with your finances and your money, is that it's meant to go to work for you. That's why God gave it in the first place. The hundredfold return when you give, expect that you will receive a hundredfold return because it's meant to go to work for you. It's designated to do that. We need to press in even deeper to the things that God has promised. Because if you just leave that seed in the ground, oh well, it's over there. That seed that's meant to be your provision, not your job, what God has given you to sow. That is designated to provide for you. Not our job, not our shares, not our pension, not Centrelink, not all of those things. The seed that God has given you is meant to provide. And we've got to get to the point where we grab hold of that. So that fear of of financial lack, fear of what the world's saying, is that it doesn't matter. In the year of famine, Isaac sowed and reaped a hundredfold because he had the blessing and he knew the power of the seed down on the inside of him. Seed is designed by God to work on our behalf. God gave the gift of seed to us. He said, I've given you every type of seed because he knows that it produces. 
when we give an offering, when we pray, when we're speaking over the seed, when we make a declaration of what we have given, that is meant to provide. That's what's meant to provide for us. And we have no expectation half the time on it. Money is a place as seed, as a provision for food, eating, fuel. It works for you. God gave seed, he gave money to man as provision, not the other way around. We are only to serve one master. We were never designed to bow our knee and serve our seed. We were never designed to serve our seed, to bow our knee to money. It was designed to serve us. And too often we let it dictate our attitude and our life. Our attitude is to come from a relationship to a heavenly father that he has given something to us designed to bless us. You know, how often is our attitude, our frame of mind, our emotions, our peace connected to the figures on our bank account? We aren't meant to allow money to affect our attitude as the balance goes up or down. And yet we all do it. But we're not designed to do that. It was never designed, that seed, to do that. It was designed to bless us and provide for us. And we, it's our servant. Psalm 104 verse 14 says, He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and seed for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth. I'll read that again. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and seed, fuel, food, eating, provision. He provides seed for the service of who? Man, us. He provides seed for our service. Seed is designated as a servant. That's money is designated as our servant. I serve God. I'm not going to serve money. Money serves me. Once you establish that in your life, it actually starts to shift things. And we have to let our mind be transformed because, you know, we're, we're brought up that you do this, you go to uni or you go to TAFE or you leave school and you go and you go and get a job and you get paid. So you're constantly serving that way of thought rather than actually God is my source. He opens the doors for me. But when I sow my seed, when I take hold of what he's given me, it's meant to serve me. It's meant to provide for me. And I know your head's screaming, but, 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 because the world has taught us and the church has taught us that you've got to go out and do that. But God's word, when you look at it, says some different things. I'm not meaning for us to sit back on our bums and do nothing. But it's like to change our thinking that actually seed is designed to be our servant. Money is designed to be our servant. Every time we hear the word about prosperity, about God's plan to bless us, as I said before, I'm praying that our thinking will come in line with what God says. Because faith for finances is not much different. It's no different from anything else. And that's what the Lord has actually been speaking to Philip and I about. You know, we have some things in our pocket. I know that I can have babies with no pain. Six of them, nearly 10 pounders, that's 4.3 kilos, you know, big fat babies, and I can have them with no pain. I've got some things in my pocket that God's word says that he broke every curse, that he set us free, that the things that are being put from the law of sin and death in our life do not have to, to weigh us down, that we do not live under that anymore, that we're new creations, that when he says you're healed by the stripes of Jesus, that he bore all your sorrow, all your iniquity, all your pain, all your grief, all your suffering, that he actually means that. He actually means that. But sometimes we have little gaps in our life or where the enemy has hammered us and we have to grow our faith and develop. See, I have it in my pocket that the Lord is my healer. 
from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, that I was a chronic asthmatic and now I'm not, that I had a knee disease and a joint disease that they said they could not fix and now I do not have it, that I run 5Ks and I kick the devil's butt every time I do. You know, some things you got when you, you just got to stand and believe what God says and then you have it in your pocket. You can pull it out and say, just don't even bother. And I want us to get to the point where we have this, that seed serves us, we don't serve money. I want us to have every one of us in every situation, every circumstance, whatever or wherever we're at, that as a church and as individuals, that we have this in our pocket, that we serve God, money serves us, and we will not bow our knee to it anymore. And we've got to stand with that. We've got to make a decision that we were just our attitude to finances and get it back into what God says. Because when you get it, you just keep on building it and building it. And the devil will regret the day he came at us. Yeah? Amen. Faith for finances is no different. Jesus is developing and perfecting our faith. So if you're facing a time now where you are out of work or you're building something or you're thinking, what the heck? you're going, God, what do I do with my finances? Get into God's word. Because with no word, no faith. If you've got no word on you in this, you've got no faith for it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. If you know that you've got a gap between what I'm saying and what God's word says, then you get the word on it. Don't be slack. Don't be slack. Come on. Get some faith muscles. How long does it take to get good abs, Shara? Six months? Two months. Two months if you're her. <laughs> it takes effort. This girl, you see her and she goes to effort. She works three, she's working out three times a day at the moment. We're just like, see you, Shara. <laughs> you know, she gets, ben, ben, where is he? He's wanting to get muscles. And so she did a workout plan for him. And, and he, he's um, just a little bit in awe of Shara now. He's like, oh, I can lift weights. I can keep up with you. I can do as many burpees as you. And he's like, she's really fit. She's, you know, you know, but it takes effort. It takes building muscle. Yeah, Taja went to the gym, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it takes effort, doesn't it? But she was not as any fitter than any of the rest of us a year ago. It takes effort and diligence and persistence and hard work. If you know that you've got a gap, then don't be slack. If you want to be different and you want to look at your finances and we want to, as a church, look at our finances in a year's time and know that we have grown our faith, that we have developed, that we have taken hold of every promise that God says and grown our faith to believe more, then you get in the Word. No Word, no faith. So come on. Get into the Word on what God says. Look up every promise He talks about. If you've got a need and you know there's a gap between what God says and what you're experiencing, then get off your butt, open your Bible, listen to every message you can. Put on, go on iTunes. There is no excuse for us not to know what God says except for our own laziness and our own complacency. So I'm here to give us all a kick up the bum today. If you know that you have a need, then get up. And if you're having trouble get up, getting up, then one of us will grab you and help you up. Because it says to bear one another's burdens, to help one another, and that's what family does, that two is better than one. When one falls down, the other is there to help them up. So if you're struggling, if you're going, well, you don't know my situation, we're here to help one another. We're here to stand with one another. We are a family. We do things better together. And we will not let the devil come in and cause disunity and pull people out. Watch for it. 
We have to make sure our attitude towards finances is not going to pull us out and make us go, well, you don't know what I'm going through. But he does and he's put us together and he draws more people in so we can do it together. That this can be a place where people can belong and people can be encouraged and people can find Jesus and that in that we walk victorious. So start listening. I'll give you a challenge because this is what Philip and I are doing because we know that we've got a gap. You know, all our lives we've been taught, oh, you know, just don't, it, it's a fair thing about money. Now, Philip grew up on the mission where I don't think you had reused tea bags, but close, you know? And I came from a background of lack. So we know we have to develop a faith, and we've come a long way from where we were as, as young adults, where we were eating two-minute noodles at the end of the week for three days. I refuse to touch those things. I think you still like them, but they're... You know? I learned that God is a roast dinner kind of God, and I know I've told the story, but I'm going to tell it again. Then, you know, we're living at the end of the week. We're a young married couple, all in love, and we are... Yep. And... Uh, and uh, Philip was on a ridiculous wage and I was pregnant with Anna, I think. And uh, so I had to have bed rest with her and um, that we'd get to the end of the week and we would have, I think, two nine-nut noodles. You could buy four packets for 50 cents. Yep. That's where it was at, okay? Now, some of you are going, well, that's not too bad, but I hate my two-minute noodles. All right, so we would do that. And I'd ring up mum at the start of the grocery. I'd say, all right, mum, I've got $25. How can I stretch that out for a fortnight with food? And she'd tell me all these funny little things because she'd learnt. And, uh, and anyway, I'm, I'm going, God, this is ridiculous. I know you're a good God. I can see that you want to bless us. You've brought us together. We've got a plan for our lives, but this is ridiculous. I hate two-minute noodles. And Philip's sitting down there with his bowl of two-minute noodles having an absolute grizzle. Because, you know, anyway, we were like, Lord, I'd really like a roast dinner. Within about less than a minute, there was a ding at the doorbell. We lived in the church manse, and uh, we were the caretakers, and we did youth, and we'd have people over all the time. But here's this ding on the doorbell, and here's Pauline, the pastor's wife, who some of you have met. And uh, she goes, here, there's some people that didn't show up for the board dinner. Here's some roast dinners for you. Lamb roast, baked potatoes, gravy, everything Philip, you know, that's ultimate dinner back then. And uh, so we're like, oh, thank you very much. And we're just like looking at each other. Okay, God, you're funny. Anyway, and then she, and then she turns around and she says, and here's some more for the next couple of days. Because God is a God of more than enough. So we're like, that's really good. Philip hosed down his roast dinner. And then he says, oh, God, being a bit cheeky, it'd be really good if we had apple crumble and, t- and custard to top that up. And he goes, just throw away line. Anyway, ding, ding. And here's Pauline with a tray this time. And there's all these desserts on it, apple cum- crumble and custard. And she goes, here you go, there's extra sweets too. I learnt that day that God is not a two-minute noodle God, unless you love them. He's a roast dinner God. Yeah? And we've just got to get down on the inside of us that God wants to bless us, that he knows our every need, that he sees us. And no matter what we're going through, that we can ask and he will take us through. Now, it may not look, you know, it may not look what we want it to, but he just, he's, he's with us, he's for us, not against us. And he hears our cries. He hears us. So I know, I've got that one in my pocket now, that he's a roast dinner God. He's a roast dinner God. You know, and sometimes I would come home and in the freezer, somebody had put a roast dinner. 
So I learned that. I learned that, you know, I never thought I'd have my own home back then when I was 21, 20, 21. And we lived in the church manse and the pastors decided they were going to sell the house and move back to the manse. And here I am, eight months pregnant, and we're like, God, you know, we'll give it all. And, you know, we're like, we don't want it. And we, and we had this relationship with money that wasn't quite right. We're like, oh, we can't have every, anything if we serve God. And God said, well, that's not right. You can ask. And so we started to ask. We looked around. Kalgoorlie is an expensive place to buy a house and rent is ridiculous. And we're like, we're going to end up in the backyard of Phil's mum and dad's. That's not cool. And, um, yep. And, um, and in a caravan. And we looked at these houses that we're like, we can't even afford those. The, the, the floor would slope like this, like, you know, <laughs> walk in. And uh, like, what are we going to do? We can't even rent. It's so expensive. And I've got this, I'm getting bigger and bigger. And so he said, Lord, what do you want us to do? And he said, you go and see these people and ask them to pray with you. So we went and saw these people. We weren't asking for anything. We just said, Lord, we, the Lord told us to come and see you and to, for you to pray with us. So they prayed with us and they looked at each other and they said, we cannot let you walk out of here without giving you what you need. The God has blessed us recently and here's $10,000. Now back then in 1992... What's that? It's equivalent to quite a lot now, isn't it? It was a deposit for a house. You see, God is a roast dinner kind of God. He will provide for us, but we've got to get it down on the inside of us. That he loves us and that he'll take care of us. And it takes time and it takes effort and it takes ignoring what the world and our circumstances shout at us and just going and laying at the foot of Jesus and saying, Lord, I just thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you that your word is true. And I thank you that money is designed to serve me, not the other way around. No word, no faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So start listening to at least one message of faith every day. Read a devotional. <laughs> it's all right. I have a devotional that's up online, but there's a plenty more. Ask Anna. She's got a great one somewhere. <laughs> but it's like, just, just read, get it in there, listen. There's some great preachers. Jesse Duplantis, Kenneth Copeland, you know, Jerry Seville. They're all faith preachers. They all have walked the walk. They've talked the talk. They've been through the hard stuff and seen what God can do if you take hold of it. Feed yourself. Whatever will get the word in, do it. Whatever will get the word in. The point is to get it in you. That's your assignment. You can't overdose on this. You cannot overdose on faith. This is your gospels, as Philip says. Take them like medicine. You can't overdose. You just get muscles. And as Shara says, muscles are lovely. With faith and patience, we inherit the promise of God. Hebrews 6 verse 12. Patience is being constant and consistent. We love that word, don't we? Consistent. Faith is grabbing hold of what God says for you, but patience is being consistent no matter what is coming at you. And that's what most of us lack, is we're not patient enough. We don't stay constant and consistent when it gets hard. We waver, we fall down, we have a suki la la. Come on now. We do. We have a good sook, we speak all the rubbish, and half the time we need to put a bit of duct tape across our mouth to shut us up. When we're having a sook, that's not the time to speak. Because you're going to speak rubbish half the time. You know, I get a vacuum cleaner out because it's really, really noisy and I'm, you know, I have a vacuuming song, which you all know is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Yeah? Or I really, really do love everybody. <laughs> yeah? Patient has been constant and consistent. 
And too often we're not patient. We don't stay consistent in our faith stand and our attitudes and our words and our prayers. And we must learn to stand in faith and in patience. And then we take hold of the promises. Patience will get us where we need to go. I'm going to finish with with this point about a man named Walt Disney. And he was a little man, all of you know, if anybody's been to Disneyland. He had a little animation company and he started it in his garage. He was a visionary. He had dreams. And now when you look at the Disney Corporation, I was listening to somebody talking about it, they have 65,000 employees. Their income is into the billions. They own ABC, ESPN, cruise lines, movies, entertainment, parks. But it came with someone who was a visionary, someone who was not really motivated by money. Someone who was not really motivated by money. What motivates us? He was a visionary. He saw things and there was no limitations on his heart. It's very easy when the money gets short to stop dreaming. Today, I want to ask us, don't stop dreaming. We have a vision to reach people for Jesus, to encourage people to be all they can be, to be a place where people can belong, to be a family. I know that many of you have dreams and visions in your heart for you and your personal life, for your family. When the money gets tight, don't stop dreaming because that's what money tries to get us to do. It starts to speak at us. You can't do that. Who are you to dream? We need to challenge ourselves. Money can't dictate to us. It's a time when we're in a pressure time. It's a time to listen, to inquire of the Lord, to keep dreaming, to have vision. It's a time to look down on the inside of us and ask, what else, God? What next? I serve you. I make a determined effort to see the things you desire and I refuse to allow money to dry up my creativity or my hope. When things get tight, don't stop dreaming because dreaming will get you out of it because God is the God of vision. He is the God of imagination. He is the God of hope. So when things get tight, you start to dream because that's what's going to bring you out. That's what's going to bring you through. Approach things in your life and say to yourself, what would I do if money were no object? It's not a quick thing. You need to meditate on that. Take away what I'm saying today and chew on it and say to yourself, what if money was no object? What would I do? Where would I go? What would I fulfill? And who would I reach out to? It's a process and it's about us developing our faith to get to that point. But if we never dream and if we never look up and if we let money dictate to us, We're never going to do anything, which is exactly what the devil wants. He comes to kill, to rob, and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come to give you abundant life, but there's a way to do it, and there's a way through. We have to choose our master. What does God want us to do? When we put money in its place, we will hear more clearly God's voice. Money, when you are a servant, is the root of all evil. It will shout at you. But when we put money in its place as our servant... We will hear from the Holy Spirit and things will become clearer. So we have to keep looking at our vision. Look at what God has asked you to do with your life. Get quiet. Think about it. Go to God's word. He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. He has a plan and a purpose for your family. He has a plan and a purpose for you as a couple. He has a plan and a purpose for us as a church family. Go to God and say, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? And dream, dream. Let your imagination just click into, the, into heaven. It's a, I've talked about it before. Our imagination is God-given. And then when you get that dream, write it down and just say, Lord, how do you want me to fulfill it? 
And remember that your seed, what you give, is your provision, not what you earn, not what comes through the bank account by you working. That's all great, but if you see that as your only source of income, then you're never going to do all that God has for us. He is our provision, and our seed, what we have been given, is what multiplies and replenishes and enables us to do what God calls us to do. And sometimes we get that out of whack, and we let money shout at us, instead of us shouting at money. This is my confession, and this is what I'm saying now, so I'm going to share it with you. I adjust my financial attitude. I serve God and I don't serve money. I don't work for money. Money works for me. Money doesn't rule me. Money doesn't control me. Money doesn't dominate me. I dominate it. I fearlessly tithe. I boldly give. Money, you serve me. Money, you obey me. Money, you multiply. Money, you increase. Money, you come in and you produce the maximum harvest. God, I serve you. And I don't serve any other. I make that decision today. And because of it, I'm here more clearly and more distinctly. And I will walk in the call and purpose of God for my life. That's my confession today. I serve God. It takes practice to walk like this. We've got to grow in it. And we've got to really develop to the place where we walk victoriously all the time in this. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's a quick thing. But no word, no faith. So let's get off our butts and do something about it. Well, you see a gap, don't just sit there and go, oh, well, too bad. You know, get up and do something. And then in a year's time, in two years' time, in five years' time, you'll see what you can do. Yeah? There's people in this room that are alive because they took hold of what God said. Let's take hold of what God says about our finances too. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank that it is powerful. I thank you that you're alert and active watching over to do it, Lord. I thank you that the angels hearken at the word of your Lord. When we speak it, Lord, angels go to work. And Heavenly Father, show us what to do. Show us what to listen to. Show us what to read. What situations to step into and the situations to avoid. Help us to adjust our thinking to understand that our seed, that our money was given to us by you to provide for us, for it to serve us, not us serve it. Thank you that the increase is on our seed, that your blessing worked out for us, that our seed works for us. And as we give today, we give from a place of faith. We believe for increase. Father, whatever you have for us, wherever you lead us, whatever you open up for us, Lord, we hold on to you and we boldly walk in faith. Help us to know what we're called to do individually and as a church. And Lord, keep developing our faith in this. Lord, we serve you. We don't serve money. I pray a blessing on everybody here, Lord. I pray a blessing on them as they get more word, Lord, that their faith would grow. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen.